Today on Lessons for Living, the teaching ministry of Mark Ballmer, Senior Pastor of Calvary Chapel, Melbourne in Melbourne, Florida. Hezekiah had a strong commitment to excellence. Now the key is not for you just to write these principles down. The key is to look in your own life and say, is that happening to me? The things that I'm doing, the way I handle my family, my finances, the area of ministry, do I do it with excellence? Notice Hezekiah did. No matter how much you do for the church, your community, your family, it's not in service to God if your heart isn't right with Him. If your heart isn't motivated to serve because it's full of the Lord, then eventually you'll become burdened and burned out. The Lord will energize you to do His work when it comes from the right place. Today in Second Chronicles, the people of Judah will seek to serve the Lord through hard work and sacrifice. Not because they were ordered to or felt guilty to do it, but because in their trust and faith in God, they sought to bless Him. If we are motivated by love, our actions and serving will glorify the Father as well. Remember, there's quite a few ways to receive a copy of Pastor Mark's teaching. We'll be sharing all that information with you at the close of today's broadcast. Now, let's join Pastor Mark in the book of 1 Corinthians chapter 9, verse 7, with our continuing study entitled, Plenty to Spare. down to verse 7. Who serves as a soldier at his own expense? Who plants a vineyard and does not eat of its grapes? Who tends a flock and does not drink of the milk? Do I say this merely from a human point of view? Doesn't the law say the same thing? By the way, verse 9 now is, if you want to write by it, is Deuteronomy 25.4. This is what Paul is speaking about. He knew the Old Testament. For it is written in the law of Moses, Do not muzzle an ox while it's treading out the grain. Then Paul says this, Is it about oxen that God is concerned? No. Warren Wiersbe has a great statement. He says this, Since oxen cannot read, this was not written for them. (laughs) So what is the principle? The principle is for those that are pastors and teachers on staff of a fellowship of a church or whatever, they're to be ministered to by the people that they're ministering to. Now look at verse 10. Surely he says this for us, doesn't he? Yes, this was written for us because when the plowman plows and the thresher threshes, they ought to do so in the hope of sharing in the harvest. Paul speaking, if we have sown spiritual seed among you, is it too much if we reap a material harvest from you? Down to verse 13. Don't you know that those who work in the temple get their food from the temple, and those who serve at the altar share in what is offered on the altar? In the same way, the Lord has commanded that those who preach the gospel should receive their living from the gospel. 
So the Old Testament and the New Testament principles are exactly the same. And all you see here in 1 Corinthians, although Paul is going to make an exception of himself at this particular time, he's not going to receive for them because later he'd said, basically, I don't want any of you saying that I came just to be remunerated and get money back. I'm going to put it on hold for right now. As many of us did when we started this church, you know, this church when it was started, I worked the first three and a half, four years, a full-time job while we ministered and didn't take any salary. And many of the other people did all that time. Well, we were trying to, number one, save some money so that we could do what you see we're doing. And two, to teach the people that we're be more than happy to do a regular job as God ministers to us. Realistically, after the first few months... I could have come on full-time and had a salary. But God just chose to use me a different way. Now, I don't do that to highlight myself because all of you still do that. But there came a time when some of us needed to quit our other jobs to come on staff. And that's what we've done. So what you see there is just financial guidelines for a congregation to provide for the people, our administrative people, our accounting people, uh, people that are cleaning this place for you. Isn't it nice to come and have the grounds cut and the place clean and the windows done and the potties all taken? I mean, it's nice. Well, those people, as you grow, you can't do it with volunteers only. We have hundreds of volunteers yet, but there's some things you just have to do differently, and that's what we've done. Now, knowing with that, it just means that God's church needs the support of God's people. You guys are doing that, doing it wonderfully. When I was uh, out west recently, I heard of a pastor to show you how it can get so skewed. He, in his, and I don't know how he really does this, but evidently they have offering envelopes that have on them tithes or offerings. You must check it. And in this denomination, it's a small denomination, let's hope it stays a small denomination, all the tithes go to the senior pastor. All the offerings go for everything else. Now, do you think that's right? I mean, I don't know what Bible he's reading, but that's ridiculous. So if I knew all the ties you were checking came to me, could it affect the way I teach? Well, sure it could. Absolutely. So, I mean, it isn't even godly. And so to me, I mean, it's ludicrous. He's tying his salary to more people, more money. Hey, come on to church. What's the reason? I want more money. God hates that. So this isn't what it's talking about. So as you guys do give, and you know here when you do, that as you do give, there is a financial committee and a whole department that holds these finances in a tight area with prudence and safety, and all of those things are done right. So we honor the Lord because it's really what? His church, and we're just providing for him. And see, people say, well, the Old Testament doesn't kind of match with the New Testament. Hello. I came across this and I went, wow, here we are. So verse back to Chronicles verse 8. When Hezekiah and his officials came and saw the heaps, they praised the Lord and blessed his people Israel. Well, what happened when Hezekiah said to the people, you give, they generously gave so much so that the grain and all, it just was in huge heaps. It was just, it showed generosity. You know, I want to thank you. When we teach, many of you hadn't even heard the things in the last few weeks. It was new to you. You'll begin to give. 
God will bless you. This is what happened. Hezekiah was so excited when he saw those. Verse 9. So Hezekiah asked the priests and Levites about the heaps. I love it. And Azariah, the chief priest from the family of Zadok, answered, Since the people began to bring their contributions to the temple of the Lord, we have had enough to eat and plenty to spare. Because the Lord, notice, has blessed his people, and this great amount is left over. Any spiritual revival in a church or in an individual will always affect our giving. We will be generous people. It must affect that area because that's the area that Satan wants to attack. Remember, we talked about the shovel, you remember? So what Hezekiah is saying while the priests are there is just this. As he's saying to the people, the reason you see these heaps is because God has been generous to these people. So when they give a 10% off of that, it's because God has been generous. And again, that will happen in your life as it happens in mine. Remember, give and it will be given back to us. That's the the whole key that we tried to tell you over the last couple weeks. Now, verse 11. Now, Hezekiah, I like this, gave orders to prepare storerooms in the temple of the Lord. And this was done. The people gave so much, they had to rearrange some of the storerooms. And they had to get them ready to hold all the things that the people gave. You know, when I read this, I thought this is exactly what's happening here. Because the word is taught here and God's honoring his church, we're having more and more and more people come. Because more and more people come, they're giving, and we're having to build new storehouses. And it's not about holding grain, it's about holding people. So as we're generous to God, and you're obeying God, that's not a problem. Because we've, we're handling it right, we've had it right, God's going to continue to bless. Aren't you glad God has blessed us? We never hype, we just present it, people give. It's about people. It's about people. It's about people. Verse 12. Then they faithfully brought in the contributions. Let me just say one word about that. For those of you that have started giving, the proof in your pudding will be around January, February. Because you've been giving, you haven't ever done it before. Until it becomes a habit, the enemy will come against you. Now, I'll never know that. You know that. But I just want to remind you, it's a habit that you need to get into in your life, faithfully to the Lord. So they brought faithfully the contributions, tithes, and dedicated gifts. And Conaniah, Levi, was in charge of these things with his brother Shimei, Shimei, was next in rank. And then in verse 13, there's all the boys. You can read them yourself. Um, <laughs> down in verse 14, Korah, son of Imna, the Levite, keeper of the East Gate, was in charge of the free will offerings. So there again, the same principles we've been trying to teach you. Given to God, distributing the contributions made to the Lord and also those consecrated gifts. And you see these guys in the next town. Now notice what happens in verse 15. They have all these supervisors that were needed to oversee the finances. In fact, 10 supervisors there. Making sure that things were done in quality and control. And we have that same kind of safeguards and things here. The gifts were there. They were doing it where they were given in excellence. They needed to be distributed in excellence. So these people were ministering the same way. Verse 16. In addition, they distributed to the males three years old or more, whose names were in the gene- genealogy records, all who would enter the temple of the Lord to perform the daily duties of their various tasks. 
according to the responsibilities and their divisions. And they distributed to the priests, enrolled by their families in the genealogical records, and likewise to the Levites, 20 years old or more, according to their responsibilities and their divisions. They included all the little ones, the wives, the sons, and the daughters. The whole community listed in these genealogical records, for they were faithful in consecrating themselves. As for the priests, the descendants of Aaron who lived on the farmlands around the towns and in any other towns, men were designated by name to distribute portions to every male among them and to all who were recorded in the genealogies of the Levites. So this individual named Kor was placed over all of these officers and Notice most of the Levites and the priests didn't live in Jerusalem. They lived all over the area of Judah. So they would go, they went there, they would provide for them, making sure that they got the the amount that was needed. It was kind of like Washington sending out the checks to, you know, Social Security checks every month to the people. They would have to go, keep they knew which town were by the uh, the genealogy records. Remember, you had to come from Aaron and so forth. And they knew all of those. They knew who they were, and they would go and pay them. And it, it shows you here how, who was taken care of. So the reason they did this, the law really prevented clergy from doing normal manual labor. They were to work there, and this is how they were provided for. Verse 20. I love these next two verses. In fact, I could spend the whole rest of the night on them, but I won't. This is what Hezekiah did throughout Judah, doing what was good and right and faithful before his God. In everything that he undertook in the service of God's temple and in obedience to the law and to the commands, he sought his God and worked wholeheartedly, and so he prospered. Circle those last four words. Now, what do you see in these verses? Let me give you tonight five principles to operate in our lives. Number one, Hezekiah had a strong commitment to excellence. Now, the key is not for you just to write these principles down. The key is to look in your own life and say, is that happening to me? The things that I'm doing, the way I handle my family, my finances, the area of ministry. Do I do it with excellence? Notice Hezekiah did. Second, he was faithful to seek God for guidance in all areas of his life. The all one sometimes challenges me. Every area of his life, he waited and sought God. Number three, while he did that, He served God with his whole heart. It's about our hearts. It's not about legalism. It's not about doing things because we have to. See, if we give, if we serve, if we minister to God in all these areas because we have to, eventually you burn out. You want to give to God because you want to. You want to serve God because you want to. He's such a good God. And so that's the difference between churches that are into legalism cults that are in the legalism. It becomes a burden rather than a blessing. So you don't want to go there. Number four, he obeyed the word of God. Notice verse 21 says, in obedience to the law and its commands. And number five, 
his leadership example challenged the people to follow after God. That's one I want to be said of me. That by my example, by my words, I'm able to spur and to challenge you to excellence, to follow after God. Now notice, as a result of those five things, what does verse 21 say? The end of it. That I had you underline. What does it say? And so he prospered. See, people are looking for, give me these, you know, two answers to life. Well, there's some right there. You serve God and you'll prosper. Because the things are right. You have the right motives. You're not trying to do things behind people's back. Mediocrity has destroyed this country. That's why we have to buy cars from overseas that are designed over there. Many other things. Amazing that those of us that started that had to ship it out. Now the excellence comes from across the way. Definitely shouldn't be in the house of the Lord tonight. Thanks for excellence. So he's a wonderful example of our lives. Chapter 32. After all that Hezekiah had done so faithfully, Shennacherib, king of Assyria, came and invaded Judah. He laid siege to the fortified cities, thinking to conquer them for himself. Now, when we were back in Second Kings, we remember that Hezekiah, there was a, a contract or a covenant between Ahaz and the Assyrians. And Hezekiah, when he came into his independent reign, he, he broke that treaty. So the Assyrians here, where Shennacherib came from, were known for unbelievable cruelty. When they would take over a country, they would mutilate people. I mean, it was just known. It was known the kind of people they were. They were easily able to demoralize the people. This is one reason there's a famous guy with a whale. You remember him? He didn't want to go to Nineveh because that was the capital city of the Assyrians. And he knew he said, God, I'm not going. No, those people torture everybody. Why would you forgive them? He didn't want to go there. So this was the thing. And so Hezekiah knew their history also. And during this time, Assyria had already come and captured many of the people from the northern tribes of Israel and had already taken them into captivity. So here this leader decides he's going to come now to the nation of Judah and uh, begin to try to take it over. So this says this to us tonight. Being in God's will, doing the right thing, living a godly life doesn't eliminate problems in spiritual warfare. Notice what we just come through. A tremendous revival. Everything's put back in the right place. There's joy in worship. The offerings are coming in. The priests and the Levites are taken care of. The people are worshiping again. And what do we see? The very next thing. Boom. Warfare. Shouldn't surprise us. Shouldn't surprise you in your personal life. Remember Jesus said back in John 16, 33, I have told you these things so that in me you might have peace. In this world you will have trouble. But take heart. I have overcome the world. So, you're going to see some things he did. Does And I just want to remind you, you cannot have a defeatist attitude. As you serve God for a long period of time, there will come a time in your life when I teach on marriage, Linda and I get ready. Because 
there will be a time in there where spiritual warfare comes. And we, you know, the perfect couple is not the perfect couple anymore. And we struggle with things. I know it's coming. Because if I'm defeated, I, what can I really share in confidence as I share the principles of the Word of God? You know, love your wife. And I'm going, <laughs> so I can't do that. Satan knows it. So we have to get those things resolved. We know that's coming. So there may come a time in your life you say, I don't want to get involved in ministry. I don't want to offer it. I don't want to do this. Because I know what's going to happen next. It's going to happen anyway. Just be ready. Don't back down. God's with you. So you're going to see here, Jesus said in John 16, you're going to have trouble, but be a good cheer. I've overcome the world. And who lives in us but God tonight? So it's going to come. It often comes at the at the peak. You know, it's this peak. The reason there's peaks is because there's valleys. Very good. Now, I don't like that, but that's true. The reason there's peaks is because there's valleys. So he wasn't out of God's will. He was doing exactly what he should. Everybody was pleasing. Here comes the enemy. Perfect timing from Satan. Now, when Hezekiah saw that Shennacherib had come and that he intended to make war in Jerusalem, I like verse 3. He consulted with his officials and the military staff about blocking off the water from the springs outside the city. And they helped him. This is a family. Our church is a family. We're to function as a team. People are gifted in so many ways. I was thinking about it. So what does Hezekiah do? He says, the war is coming. Let me find out how we best can handle this. That's a team. That's how a church functions. He's still the king, but he knows he can't do it alone. And I know tonight, I certainly can't do it alone. We do it because of you guys. So what happens here? Verse 4, a large force of men assembled, and they blocked all the springs and the stream that flowed through the land. Here was their question. Why should the kings of Assyria come and find plenty of water? So the first step of defense was to cut off the water supply outside of the city. As you know, in those days, you didn't walk into 7-Eleven and get you distilled water or whatever. You cut off the water, you destroy an army. This is what happened. Verse 5. Then he worked hard, repairing all the broken sections of the wall and building towers on it. Remember in those days, a wall, and we'll get, when we get to Nehemiah, you'll understand that better, a wall was the defense. And the walls had been broken. And there was no place really for the towers, for those people that would roll the big rocks down and so forth. So they, what'd they have to do? He built another wall outside that one and reinforced the supporting terraces of the city of David. He also made large numbers of weapons and shields. So the first step was cut off the water outside. Second step was to rebuild and repair the walls. Third step was to provide weapons for those people. In other words, they're going to fight. They're not going to give in. Verse 6. He appointed military officers over the people and assembled them before him in the square at the city gate and encouraged them with these words. Be strong and courageous. Do not be afraid or discouraged because the king of Syria and the vast army with him, for there is a greater power with us than with him. In today's teaching from Second Chronicles, we saw how the Lord gives back far more we can offer him, but it's our hearts that matter. In Hezekiah's example, we saw his commitment to excellence, his faithfulness in seeking God, 
is obedience and godly example. As Pastor Mark said, we can apply these lessons to our lives. Even though problems and spiritual warfare will still arise, we should strive to be in His will. Facebook and Twitter have become a regular part of our everyday lives, and we want to be sure to encourage you to check out our Facebook page and Twitter feed. Log on to LessonsForLivingRadio.com and follow the links. You can find information about everything that's happening at Calvary Chapel, Melbourne. Again, to like our Facebook page and subscribe to our Twitter feed, log on to LessonsForLivingRadio.com. Next time on Lessons for Living, we'll see Hezekiah's challenge when the king of Assyria plans an attack on Judah. Previously, Judah had made a covenant with Assyria against God's will. But under Hezekiah's leadership, that ungodly treaty will be broken. The people will be challenged to trust in the Lord when a formidable foe comes against them. The king of Assyria has been successful up to this point, but Judah has God at their back. We wish we had more time today, but we will have to pick up where we left off next time as Pastor Mark continues teaching through the book of 2 Chronicles. That's next time on Lessons for Living. 